Have you ever been reading a book and just had a light bulb moment where literally you're turning the page, but you can't even keep reading because your mind is just digesting what you've read and thinking about all the ways that this new idea changes everything in your life? I had a moment like that when I read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, about growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets. And really the mind blowing moment for me was when she was talking about how adults can learn to draw. And this is so silly, but it was so profound for me. She, in this book, if you haven't read it, she has a picture of some subjects who did a drawing before they went to a drawing class and it looked like a drawing I would draw. It was not very good. And then they took a three day drawing class and then the pictures they drew afterwards were phenomenal. And I, can remember just being like, oh my goodness, I can draw. Not that I can actually draw because I haven't taken a class or done anything to learn how to draw, but it was just this gut moment where I knew that if I wanted to learn how to draw, I could do that. And I share this story because that book teaches us so much about why some people continue to grow and try new things and why others stagnate. If you haven't read the book, I'm going to give you a little spoiler here. So to use her words, she talks about two different types of mindsets, a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. A growth mindset states that a person's talents and abilities are not fixed at birth, but can be enhanced by effort, learning, and persistence versus A fixed mindset that says you've only got what you're naturally talented with and no amount of effort will lead to more. It's important to note here that you can have a fixed mindset in certain areas and a growth mindset in others. For example, you might say athletic ability is something you're born with. And so you have a fixed mindset around your athleticism. But you might think intelligence is something that can be developed through learning. Again, it's not just one or the other. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about why this is so important for your team if you want to have a team that continues to grow over time. I want you to also have this kind of concept of you don't, you might have a fixed mindset for certain things and a growth mindset for others. And the areas where you have a fixed mindset think people are just, they're naturally good or they're not. In the areas where you have a growth mindset, you believe that people can improve and they can get better and that the results are really mirrored back to the effort that they're putting in and the persistence versus the areas where you have a fixed mindset, you probably believe that people aren't going to get much better, that they have that natural talent or they don't. Now, we're talking about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. It's really important. um, She found in her work that people who have a growth mindset actually were more willing to try new things. They were willing to take on new challenges, and therefore they grew more. And that's because if you believe that your ability or your performance isn't a reflection of you, but it's just something you haven't learned yet, Failure isn't as dramatic in that area, where if you have a fixed mindset, you're less likely to challenge yourself. If you were to fail, that failure is a reflection of yourself. 
This is really important when it comes to sales. I mean, they have found that actually people who have malleable beliefs that believe that they can get better at negotiating actually find people have a growth mindset around negotiating. When they take a negotiating class, they actually have greater improvements than people who have a fixed mindset around negotiating. I'm saying all of this because as we talk about how can you help your team to avoid stagnancy, the very heart of the matter is what is the mindset that your team member has? If you were to ask your team right now, when it comes to sales, when it comes to your ability to sell, when it comes to your ability to network, when it comes to your ability to negotiate, is that a fixed ability? that you're born with, or is that something that you can learn and grow? The team members that believe they can learn and grow are the team members who will learn and grow and continue to get better. This is also important for you as a leader. What's your mindset in this area? I want you to think about this right now. When it comes to sales effectiveness, does your team have a growth or a fixed mindset? If the team members have a fixed mindset, there's always going to be resistance to new ways of doing things, and there's always going to be resistance to growth. The same is true for you. You know, if you believe that your team is either naturally good at sales or not good at sales, the way that you invest in your team and the way that you coach your team and the culture that you create is going to more often than not prove yourself right, more so than your team's ability to get better. If you haven't read the book Mindset, I highly recommend it. And I read it with the frame of thinking about your sales team. Mindset is only one of the three things that needs to be addressed if you want to keep your team evolving and getting better year after year after year. There are two other key components that you need to address. I've come to believe and I've come to see in my experience that the three things that need to be addressed if you want to create a culture of continual growth and avoid stagnancy is mindset, which we've talked about. The next one is resilience. And the third one is culture. And these things are all interlinked. Um, they all play off of each other, but they are all different in their own way. When we talk about resilience, this is so important when it comes to sales. There's so much research on resiliency being one of the key attributes that separates star salespeople, top performers, long-term sales professionals from people who struggle in sales. There's some myths around resiliency too. Resiliency is a muscle that can be developed over time. It's not something that you either have or don't have. Some of us maybe have a little bit more because of our life experiences, because of how we've been mentored in our life, because of how we've faced challenges. Some people on your team might have more resiliency today than others, but everyone can continue to develop more resiliency in their life. And this is important for you as a leader, because if you want to have a team that continues to grow year after year, even when they're doing well, there has to be resiliency. When you're learning something new, if you go back to that episode four that we talked about last week, and we talked about how adults learn, anytime you're learning something new, there's going to be a part of that learning process that's gonna be uncomfortable. There's gonna be a part where people aren't doing well when they're learning something new. And so if there isn't resiliency built into those team members, they're gonna struggle. The same is true, of course, when it comes to sales, you are going to get people who are going to say no. You are going to go through a long negotiation process sometimes and lose the deal. If you don't have resiliency muscles on your team, those 
failures are going to block your momentum. They're going to block your desire to learn more, and they are going to stop you from pushing yourself. As a team leader, it is your responsibility to help your team develop resilience. There is a lot of great research on this about some techniques, some tools. You know, a lot of stuff is around reframing experiences so that when things don't go as planned, that it gets reframed from failure to a learning opportunity. I'm going to give you a favorite story on this here in a second. Some other things that really help with building resiliency are exposure. Say you have a team member who struggles with resiliency. They really struggle making cold calls. If you just say you're going to go make cold calls for eight hours a day, yes, they're going to be exposed to it, but they're going to overwhelm their nervous system and they're probably not going to build resiliency. Versus if you think about exposure therapy and you do a little bit at a time and you continually have more and more exposure, that is how resiliency gets built. I want you to think about if you're building resiliency in your teams, where does that resiliency need to come into? Does it come in negotiation? Does it come in talking about pricing? Is it happen in cold calls? Does it happen during going to networking events, making new connections, whatever it is, how can you break down that part that you want to really focus on resiliency on the team for and break it down into small exposure steps? So you're not just throwing your team members to the wolves or to the sharks and hoping they learn how to swim, but that you can support their building resiliency by doing it in small steps over a period of time. Another great way to build resiliency is to reframe failure and to reframe it culturally. One of my favorite stories about this is from Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx, and she has built a phenomenal business for herself. But she talks about how when she was growing up, Every night at dinner, every week at dinner, her dad would ask her and her brother, I believe, what did you fail at this week? And I think we forget to ask that of our team members. We talk a lot about successes. What did you win at? What's going well? What are you proud of? And we definitely want to be celebrating wins, but we also need to be celebrating failures because I say this to people all the time. If you're closing 100% of the proposals you're making or if you're winning all of your deals, you're either priced too low in the marketplace or you're not really challenging yourself. That sometimes we take the easy wins because we don't have resilience and then we think we're being successful and we can kind of tell ourselves we're having a lot of success when really we're avoiding the harder, more challenging sales because we don't have resilience. As a leader, you have an opportunity to really help your team by supporting them in recognizing that failure is an inevitable part of the job and that failure means that you're growing. Failure means you're challenging yourself. And if you're not failing, then you're not actually growing. And so really that question, what did you fail at this week, is a very, very powerful question. And then when they tell you really being supportive of that, great, awesome. What did you learn from that? How are you going to take that failure and transition it so that you're even better at what you're doing? We want to celebrate those failures and we want to use them as tools to get better. But that is a really great question. Some other questions that you should be asking your team members on a regular basis. What are you working on getting better at? What are you working on improving right now this quarter? Just setting that mindset that where are you working to get better? Where are you looking to grow so that you can support them in that so that we're not 
shying away from the areas where we have development opportunities. But sometimes these are areas where maybe you're already really strong or your team member is really strong. Maybe you have an awesome negotiator on your team, but they still want to get better at negotiating. This goes back to what I said at the very beginning of the podcast, that when you look at professional athletes, let's take Michael Phelps, for example, he didn't go to his first Olympics, win a bunch of gold medals, and then fire his coach and just hang out. He went back to the pool and he was practicing and he was adjusting and he was changing things and he was, how can I do this better? What can I do differently? Even though he was at the top of his field. This is where this is so important for us in sales is that we need to recognize even our top performers have opportunities for growth. As a leader, how do you celebrate them and support them, but not let them get stagnant? And that is really, really challenging. This is where it comes down to the third thing that is really important. So we talked about mindset. Now we, t- we talked about resilience. And the third thing that is going to help you prevent stagnancy on your sales team is culture. Does your culture support growth? Does your culture push your team members into discomfort versus do you let your team, when they're doing well, coast by? Because you can coast for a little while, but if you stop going to the gym, if I stop running within a pretty short period of time, my ability to run is going to worsen, that my cardio is going to go down, it's going to be harder, and I'm going to struggle more. This is a really fine line as a leader because you want to celebrate achievement, you want to celebrate growth, you want to celebrate wins, but we also don't want our top salespeople to get into that mindset of, I've been doing this forever, I already know how to do this, this isn't new for me, versus how can I continue to do this? How can I continue to learn? How can I continue to get better? How might I take this different way of doing something and put it in my style and what works for me so that I can continue to get better? The reason that we don't often do this from a leadership standpoint, the reason that we let our top performers coast, if you will, is oftentimes we are scared that if we continue to support their growth and continue to push for their growth, that they are going to see us as micromanagers and that they're going to leave because they're not going to want to work for a micromanager. So we kind of say, okay, you've been doing this for five years. You've been in the insurance game forever. You've been doing real estate forever. You've been in software sales for your entire career. I'm going to be hands off now. This is a mistake. And I talked about this in episode two. We'll link to that episode about retaining your best performers. And one of the top reasons people leave is because they no longer feel challenged. And this is right here where that culture issue, if you're not creating a culture of continuous growth and opportunities for continuous improvement, you will lose your star talent. And it's super counterintuitive because we think that star salespeople want to be left alone. Yes, they want autonomy. Yes, they want flexibility. Yes, they want to have the opportunity to lead their own experience and be the boss of their day, own their business. But that doesn't mean they don't want to grow. And I think about this in my career in sales. Of course, my quote unquote favorite bosses were the bosses who just didn't challenge me at all. But when I really look back to when I was most fulfilled in my career, it's where I had bosses who recognized all of the things that were doing well, recognized my talents, but also continued to push me to get better. And I performed better when they supported me in this. I use this example. 
I go to Orange Theory. We're back to doing outdoor classes, which is fantastic because I definitely need the coaching. I will not push myself to do burpees. I had to tell the coach at the Orange Theory when I moved here to Bend, hey, I need you to like call me out because if I have a coach that says you can do a higher weight than that, they're right. I can do a higher weight than that and I do it. But if left to my own devices, I'm going to do the weight that I'm comfortable with. That is easy. And then I don't get better and I don't grow. And that is what your sales team needs from you. Now, the level of coaching and what that coaching looks like is very different when you have somebody who's newer to sales, who's newer to your industry, who's newer to your company than when you have a seasoned professional who's an outstanding performer. How you coach them is differently, but you absolutely need to be coaching people at all levels of their career because otherwise they're not going to feel challenged anymore and they're going to start looking for other opportunities. Plus, they're going to get stagnant which then creates a culture of stagnancy. I just want to say there is a huge difference between micromanaging and pushing your team for growth. Micromanaging is about control and it stunts growth. It's about controlling things that aren't really meaningful and strategic. The other, when we talk about creating a culture of growth and pushing for growth, that's about recognizing that no matter how good you are, no matter how good your team members are, there are always room for improvement. And as a leader, it's your job to support your team in their improvement. You are fundamentally responsible for the culture and the culture will dictate how receptive your team is to continuous feedback, learning, and growth. If you want a team that is always evolving, always striving for growth, always looking for ways to be their best, you must be mindful about all three of these things. You must be mindful about mindset, you must perpetually build the resiliency muscles of your team, and you must consciously create a culture of growth on your team. If you don't do those three things, you are at risk for really moving into stagnancy and having a team that has skills and ability, but doesn't feel challenged. And when people don't feel challenged, they aren't as engaged at work. They don't show up as fully and they don't perform as well. These three things not only help your team, but they help the individuals as well. Next week, I'm going to give you some strategies to coach your team without micromanaging so that you can really do these three things and create that culture of continuous improvement and do so in a way that you avoid pissing off the people who drive your bottom line. I do know being in sales, there's nothing worse than having a micromanager. I fundamentally believe you can absolutely coach your team to success and growth without micromanaging. That's what we're going to be diving into next week. In the meantime, if you liked this episode, if you found something in here that made you think differently, that made you reassess how you're working with your team on their growth, make sure to give us a five-star review and subscribe to Sales Fiction so you can get fresh episodes downloaded as soon as they are available. If you want your small team to consistently produce big results, it's imperative that every member of the team is continually challenging themselves to grow. Stagnancy is a weed that can infiltrate even the best sales teams. In many professional endeavors, sports, singing, acting, the top professionals are still trying to find ways to grow and achieve more, even when they've reached mastery. So why is it that in business, mastery is often seen as a destination and tenured sales professionals often feel like there's nothing left to learn? Join us for this episode of Sales Fiction, where I share the three things you must address to keep your team evolving.